This is Remembering Yugoslavia, the show exploring the memory of a country that no longer exists. I'm your host, Peter Korchnak. In December 2016, the Calvert Journal ran a story about a revival of partisan songs in the Balkans, driven by activist choirs. I quote, The revolutionary partisan songs that provided the soundtrack to Tito's communist regime all but disappeared from public life when Yugoslavia disintegrated in the 1990s. But now they're being heard again, sung loud and proud by activist choirs. Across the post-Yugoslav territory, there are dozens of activist choirs performing. For each of them, performing goes hand-in-hand with civic engagement. Their common denominator, in addition to activism, is the use of revolutionary partisan songs to convey their message. This episode of Remembering Yugoslavia is all about partisan songs and the choirs that sing them. My guest is Anna Hoffman, an ethnomusicologist at the Institute of Culture and Memory Studies in Ljubljana, Slovenia. She is the author of the 2015 book in Slovenian, Music, Politics, Affect, The New Life of Partisan Songs in Slovenia, updated and translated into Serbian in 2016 under the simplified title, The New Life of Partisan Songs. In the introduction to the book, she, and I quote, calls for a new reflection on the role of anti-fascism in political mobilization and participation through music and sound. The book talks about collective music performance as a mode of political engagement, as well as about the potential and challenges of self-organized musical collectives and ultimately of reactivating the experience and the legacy of anti-fascism. The fact that the partisan, revolutionary, and labor songs are heard again in the streets is a testimony to the importance of raising a voice, loudly expressing resistance, and working towards social change. End quote. We spoke over Skype. Your book is called The New Life of Partisan Songs. Before we get to that, what was their old life like? What was their purpose in the Yugoslav period? If we speak about partisan songs in a sense of genre, so it would be very difficult actually to categorize. Basically, this is a very, very heterogeneous assemblage of different, let's say, sounds, different uh, lyrics, pieces from different historical periods. Partisan songs are basically songs which are definitely performed during Second World War. They revived the previous historical sensorium of historical repertoires associated with many previous rupture or revolutionary or or radical changed events, such as October revolutions, such as Spanish Civil War, such as French revolutions, uh, also some regional and local histories of rebel resistance, uh, like peasants uprisings. So in, in that sense, at the very beginning, we can say that partisan songs are really an assemblage of different historical layers of songs from different geographical areas and also different historical periods. In that sense, what connects this genre musically can definitely be adjustment of these songs to certain rhythm of march, how they were adapted to the life in a combat, to life, we in a resistance movement. But of course, these songs were also performed by people in the villages, by people in cities, so these cannot be reduced just to the very context of fighting. What is also important, I think, that these songs combine these, as I already mentioned, some local, national, international traditions in singing. So they really combine old worker songs, revolutionary songs, composers and partisan fighters, they were trying somehow to adjust some local melodies to 
some musical features of mass combat songs and some revolutionary songs in order that these will be more accepted by people singing in the partisan unit. But what was definitely important and what was important for me in my research is that very strong kind of emotional and affective aspect of these songs. So what you can read from testimonies is that these songs were really, really perceived in one sense like songs of sustaining a life in this really, really radical situation. I mean, this is when when people were dying with the songs on on their mouth or when they use in order to suppress hunger or while being tortured. So we really think about how music and song and singing, we cannot even think about song without singing. And I think sound is exactly what moves the body, but what even in some cases remind this body to be alive. So on the other hand, these songs were immediately songs of a new life, new political future, because we talk about Yugoslav People's Revolution, as Yugoslav anti-fascist partisan resistance was not just national resistance, but was basically socialist revolution. So we talk about the songs which are vehicles of imagination of new future, new political horizons. What connects that is uh, that strong affective potential to sustain and to imagine new life. So during the Yugoslav period, partisan songs were used to motivate the populace and inspire the masses to look to the bright future? Yeah. These songs started to be canonized for the official memory politics in socialist Yugoslavia. We have to be careful how we discuss these uh, co-optation or canonization of the partisan songs after Second World War. On one hand, they definitely were used in official stage, in official commemoration practice. They were definitely also used by party and by, you know, official politics to build Yugoslav identity, to somehow provide that continuous belief in socialist system as a good one and uh, uh, fueling this uh, belief uh, in a brighter future, as as you said. But that does not mean that people basically didn't experience that power of these songs. We cannot simply say, yes, songs were used 
during the war, for revolutionary struggle, and then after, official elites basically exploited them, and then Yugoslavia collapsed, and now we have a new life. But definitely uh, what is interesting for the genre, that genre entered popular culture, so lots of popular music bands, individuals, musicians use the songs and try to revert in different genres, pop rock, uh, entertain so-called entertainment music or zabavna music or pop uh, music here. Unfortunately, folk music was not so uh, not a genre which really thematized some kind of a political topics. But from the 80s, we can also follow like Brena and some kind of a usage of these, uh, not really in a sense of partisan songs, but in a sense of Yugoslav political themes. So definitely songs had already their afterlives during socialism in, in being mediated in different genres, being, you know, uh, listened to and performed by different, in different contexts, simply they were recontextualized. Da 
What happened to partisan songs in the immediate post-Yugoslav period? I think it's important not to somehow essentialize Yugoslav experience because we have, you know, different parts of Yugoslavia, different former Yugoslav republics. So definitely the situation was always different in different Yugoslav uh, regions and republics. But in general, these songs uh, were not present in public discourses, at least not in radio broadcasting, in TV shows, I mean, in TV. So new national parties, new national elites uh, basically seen them as part of the previous regime. But somehow uh, in, uh, in a certain areas and for certain people, especially diaspora, but also certain parts of former Yugoslavia, these songs continued in some informal settings. So people still continue to, to listen to these songs and uh, not with such big performances on concerts, but definitely they were present in some, let's say, outlets. These songs were even seen as a production of the former regime, so without any potential. Basically, all what was promised in these songs and all these affective and emotional kind of a boost I was talking about was basically part of propaganda. And that people were even forced somehow to feel these potential of these, these uh, songs and the message and especially this affective part was simply, you know, dismissed and something which is fake. After the dust from the wars of dissolution settled and peace broke out, people started organizing into choirs singing partisan songs. What triggered this development? Why and how did it come about? And what does it all mean? What was interesting for me were activist choirs, of course, because how and uh, they use and repurpose uh, this legacy, but also the way how how choirs are in general currently, I think globally, laboratories of some new ways of musical organizing or self-organizing. So it's definitely about songs, but also I, I try to put in dialogue choirs that perform this particular repertoire and try to recall this past or uh, yeah, revive this past and revitalize this past. On the other hand, I also follow the global uh, rise of activist singing and choirs and try to see how this global tendency uh, actually uh, merged or intervened with, with this uh, specificity of this area. So I think activist choirs in that sense are, are interesting because they brought back collective singing also on the stage. So it's not just partisan songs as such, and then professional musicians perform these songs, but they also try to recall some other very important concept is in the current moment of collective singing, of singing available or, or music making available to everyone. And this is how I also try to discuss partisan songs and legacy of anti-fascism and socialism with some other concepts like amateurism, like radical amateurism, and try to uh, use choirs as, as I say, some kind of an laboratories or experiments for reimagining or, or uh, practicing new forms of political agency based on amateur music making. And when doing that, the choirs also record particular legacy of partisan songs as born during anti-fascist struggles and movement, which was its own self-organized movement. So, and even later, the 
context of self-management, the idea of self-organization, which is, of course, merged with new cooperative movements and new kind of experimenting with self-organization. So we definitely uh, can track this kind of a global, local, regional connections and how certain practices are put together or how they are floating through uh, this area. The really rise of these choirs is from 2008. There is no uh, like coincidence that this year is the year of a global economic crisis, which definitely somehow also shown in this area that capitalism is not the only possible future or is not the best possible future, not just for this region, but globally. And Catherine Verderi and many other scholars talk about that, how basically certain events coincided. Uh, uh, so the global economic crisis and rise of new left in the south and eastern or former socialist east also, but let's say in the, also in the Balkans. Let's say singing of partisan songs is also part of the broader kind of a revitalization of, of return of these, what Larissa Kurtovic will say, a socialist era discourse or language or class struggle language here in the region, but definitely in dialogue with the global return and rise of anti-fascism and, and socialism, we can definitely follow and we can also discuss how anti-fascists discovered that they are, orga- they are an organization and they didn't know, <laughs> but <laughs> Trump explained to them. In my homeland, Czechoslovakia, the Communist Party-led regime was much more restrictive and repressive. We had to sing these songs, the Song of Labor, the International, even the Soviet Anthem, and I still remember them and entertain my American wife with them over beer. So when I first started hearing these Yugoslav partisan songs, I had a negative reaction. Thanks to your work, I recognize the different dimensions and meanings and purposes of these, sure. But the criticism is easy to find, starting with promoting a totalitarian regime, as not so restrictive as it may have been, and, you know, a lot of other things. What do you say to all the criticism of this phenomenon? There are several line of, lines of critique. One is definitely nostalgia. So these people are simply nostalgic. They are not adjust to this current change and they want to return to this. So it's very escapistic. It's really nothing <laughs> that you can really use for the current moment, but it's kind of a therapy also. Or of course, as you said, that they are just some people, definitely some old commies, and they want to, I don't know, sustain this tradition. The other thing is that majority of people singing these choirs are younger people. I mean, and we can also discuss absolutely their middle class or upper middle class background. We can definitely discuss their intellectual backgrounds and so on. And this is, again, another point of criticism for this, how these activists are basically some hipsters and some armchair activists. The fact that these people are more or less younger people, I mean, people who basically do not remember socialist Yugoslavia. And some of them would say, and they said to me, like, we are children of capitalism. So what we remember is just this transition (laughs) and basically neoliberal capitalism, which was introduced in the most radical way in the region. In that sense, they see... Uh, Yugoslav socialism and particular anti-fascism as a way of struggle not just against racism, against, you know, misogyny, against patriarchy, against, you know, right-wing parties, but also for some structural change. So some alternative, more way to reclaim some 
structural transformation. Of course, that they, they cannot say we want socialism, Yugoslav socialism back. And they don't say that. They, then, they definitely do not say that. But definitely what they say that, that they don't want what is now is the only possible way. So when socialism collapsed, that they also uh, felt that, that when utopia, one utopia collapsed, that, that second utopia collapsed. So absolutely, uh, they think that this historical experience can be used as a valid point also to, to challenge this current inability of thinking the future. The new life of partisan songs reflects some of the principles Yugoslavia was built on, highlighting the positive values the current regimes lack, many of which are hard to argue with. I mean, what's wrong with antifascism? What's wrong with socialism? I mean, I mean, not socialism. Lots wrong with socialism. I mean, solidarity, a communal spirit. I visited two choirs, Kitspop Hor in Podgorica and Zbor Praksa in Pula, at their practices, and the sense of uh, we're in this together was palpable, the energy in the room physically present. I felt like they were doing something that has been lost, that they're rediscovering or promoting something that may have been lost in the past. What is relevant, and you mentioned that nothing's wrong with anti-fascism, but so many things are wrong with socialism. <laughs> it's interesting how, if these two things can be separated, at least in Yugoslav case, if anti-fascism is really liberated for let's say, burden of socialism, then it's already used by, you know, not just liberal elites, but even in Serbia and some right-wing uh, groups or some people who uh, also claim that Ustashev is also anti-fascist fighters. I think we are coming to very slippery terrain. And if we claim anti-fascism to be completely kind of a divorced for, from his concrete historical legacy in Yugoslavia, we can enter into the very slippery terrain also of either imposing some kind of a almost colonial approach to hist local historical experience. It's then free from any ideology. And is it not just neoliberal mantra? <laughs> Everything is without ideology. So if anti-fascism is without ideology, then it's so easy and we can all somehow agree that this is not problematic and what is wrong with anti-fascism. Of course, we are all anti-fascists. At the point anti-fascism is somehow released for this burden of ideology, only then it can be used as a political tool. Because everyone actually can identify with this, and especially in the very fragmented left, even people do not agree about certain things, or they are not socialist anarchists, anarcho-syndicalists, uh, anti-fascists. About anti-fascism, they all agree and they can sing together and they can, they, they can have some collective action. So it's very interesting how at the moment real ideological potential of this term and practice is basically lost. Then, then they can use it now for some new political action. So it's kind of a paradox. You first wrote about these choirs in 2015 and 16. So given it's been a few years, what has changed since then, if anything? It's interesting with singing activism that somehow there's certain sense singing follows different type of types of activisms or, or different protests, different. So it can just cover new movements, new protests and just adjust repertoire. So in that way, it's very specific form of activism. Some things definitely also remain the same from 2015 and 16. So choir continued with their own lives, their own life circles also. Uh, but definitely intensity of their activities is always bigger when some 
ruptures, you know, are, <laughs> yeah, right. in, in general. So uh, more and more activities are uh, taking place, especially after 2015 regarding the refugee Balkan routes. So lots of singing in front of the wire in Slovenia, in Croatia, in Serbia, also uh, in refugee centers. And what would be very interesting, and I'm also following now, is the situation that lockdown, yeah, Corona lockdown basically somehow really, really strongly affected any collective activities. All the choirs here just started singing again. Globally, I got reports and information some other of some other scholars and friends, and they said that choirs would be probably the last cultural activities that would be allowed <laughs> because of you know bodily yeah. But I think that collective singing on the streets will definitely continue, like it continued here in Slovenia with the current protests here. So Combinat members and Zborkia members, last time they, they sang Bella Ciao while riding bicycles with accompanying sound of, you know, bicycle ringing. So if we think about choirs in a more broader sense, that we are all can be choir. <laughs> so in that sense, I think there is always a future, especially in protests, marches and rallies, which are happening outside. Una mattina mi son svegliata, una mattina mi son svegliata, ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, una mattina mi son svegliata e ho trovato l'invasor. O partigiano, portami via, portami via. O bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 partigiano, portami via, che mi sento di morire. E se io muoio, se io muoio, partigiano, partigiano. O bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 ciao. E se io muoio da partigiano, mi devi seppellire, e seppellire la sua montagna. Oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 e seppellire la sua montagna sotto l'ombra di un bel fiore. Speaking of Yugoslavia, what is your personal experience with that country? It's really uh, layered. <laughs> it's really layered. But my experience in Yugoslavia was definitely that was my 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 country. Very personal. Um, Tito was godfather of my father, 
And then another experience is that singing in festivals, children festivals. I was very, very active as a um, singer, as a child, in different festivals across former Yugoslavia, uh, when I performed, you know, children music, nothing, let's say, ideological, just simply uh, children's songs. But I traveled all across Yugoslavia, so I, I experienced that Yugoslavia in temporal and spatial sense. Really. How did you go from Nishtu Ljubljana and from singing in children's choirs to studying activist choirs of today? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm coming from uh, what we call here musical family. So my mom also finished music academy. My dad was also a musician. My dad was a musician on popular music. My mom was also a conductor. And she herself also prepared and conducted some of these songs this choir performed now. So can you imagine her surprise when she was like, what? These songs, they perform again. And I remember from my childhood how she was always saying, like, when my choir starts singing, all first row is crying. And all second row in the audience, they cannot stop crying. And I think for my early childhood, these probably these early childhood memories somehow influenced my, my work and also obviously my theoretical approach to affect theory. And then I, I finished music school. I enrolled music academy in Belgrade, ethnomusicology. There is a department for ethnomusicology there. And uh, my interest for partisan songs started already for my master's degree. I made PhD on the uh, emancipation of women uh, through singing and through amateur music making in southern Serbia, also in relation to socialist gender politics. They couldn't really understand why I am interested in this. For my professors, this was, as you said, this was something totally irrelevant. We have lots of scholarly production of this. Now you want again to do something in 2000. And I think they are probably they changed their minds. that I think uh, singing is very important. If you want to do some activist work or you're exhausted from some, some activist work, definitely I think that collective singing is something that you can channelize and you can really 
do some things you cannot do alone or you cannot do in some other activist groups. I think singing, activist singing is really, really good model for, for current moments because it's simultaneously self-care and it can be also very, very effective. Although I would say people would say, ah, they just sing. But I think it's important. Find links to all the references, songs played, excerpts from the new Life of Partisan Songs and more at RememberingYugoslavia.com. To be the first to know when new episodes are released, subscribe to Remembering Yugoslavia on your favorite podcast listening app. For early access to upcoming episodes, become a member on Patreon. Music in this episode was courtesy of Edna Jurcan and Zbor Praksa in Pula and Kids Pop Horin Podgorica. Transcript by Zorica Popovic, outro music courtesy of Robert Petrich. I am Peter Korchniak. Smrt fascismu sloboda narodu. Thank you.